This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. We're here at Nebraska Christian at the studios here, and I have with me a guest, Paul Nauman, who is the senior pastor at Stockham Community Church in Stockham, Nebraska. Welcome to the program today, Paul. Thank you. It's very, very good to be with you. Paul, we're going to talk to you a little bit about your message that you delivered to our students, and our listeners will get an opportunity to hear that. But before we do that, I would like you to speak a little bit about a couple ministries that you're involved with through the Christian Resource Center over near Giltner, Nebraska. You have day camps. You also have a travel camp in the summer. And I think our listeners would be interested if they have children in your camps. And so if you could tell us a little bit about the camps and how parents could get information about those camps. Okay, I'd be glad to. Christian Resource Center is located on 40 acres, two miles east of Geltner. And we moved back, my wife and I, in 1975 to start that ministry. It was some land that her father had owned. And over the years, we have developed a passion for the youth and children within about a 30-mile radius of our area. And that's been our ministry circle. And we provide camps in the summer. The day camps, third and fourth grade are one set of days, and in fifth and sixth grade are another. We have a junior high day camp, and then we have a senior high travel camp, which we charter a bus, and that one we go away from Nebraska. But the other camps are located on our 40. Our activities would be canoeing. We have archeries and air rifles. We have go-karts. We have disc golf. We have a basketball court. So there's court games that we do. We have an obstacle course that we have put together. And our main reason for getting kids in is to have an opportunity in the, over the noon hour to have a chance to sing, teach them some Christian songs, and to have a chance to witness to them. And God has honored that over the years. And a lot of kids that come from homes with no Christian background or no Christian influence have had a chance to at least be exposed to the gospel. And, and many of them over the years have responded. So it's been a really fun experience for us to be in. So the day camps are, it's not overnight. They come in the morning and bring a sack lunch and we're done mid-afternoon and they can go home. So we don't have to do the overnight facilities or the cooking of meals. So it's a very simple program, but it's also been relatively inexpensive for kids to come and we have found it to be a good use of our time and talents. How could the listeners find out about it? Is there a website Christian Resource Center does have a website. It would be Christian Resource Center, I believe, dot com. And the phone number for Christian Resource Center would be area code 402-849-2606. They can get us on that phone number if they would like more information. But our website does have pictures of the facilities. We are in the process of building a new building right now where we'll have our meeting hall and our offices. The one we had originally has just served its purpose and needed to be put to rest. So we're in the process, as we speak, of uh, building a new facility on our Christian Resource Center campgrounds. Well, that's great. And for our listeners, if you didn't get that information written down, you can always contact Nebraska Christian Schools and any of our guests that are on the show, we can always put people in contact with. Paul, you you issued a challenge to our students today for a lot of things that are happening in our world, and you used an Old Testament prophet to do so. I'm curious how you tied that in and how you came about using Jeremiah to bring that message this morning. I'd be glad to share that. When I was in Bible school and seminary in the 60s and early 70s, 
Francis Schaeffer was a big influence in my life, and he wrote a book that changed me called Death in the City, just a little book, and he used the prophet Jeremiah and was speaking to the culture. Again, in the 60s, the culture was changing rapidly for the worse, and he was giving God's view of culture and how we impact culture through the prophet Jeremiah. And over the years, I have invited Jeremiah to be part of my ministry team to speak not only to his call, where God called Jeremiah as a young man, but to the courage to stand up and to say this is wrong. And we seem to be in a time of cultural confusion and decline. And as happens with great nations and great cultures, they go through seasons and in Jeremiah, it says that the, the shadows are lengthening and the darkness is coming. And I feel that in my heart, that the light, you know, when darkness is darker, the light needs to be brighter. And we're the light. And it's a challenge to the kids this morning and to all of us as believers to be confident and, and courageous enough to stand up. And, and that's really the story of Jeremiah. Let's join Pastor Paul with today's message. You all came thinking, oh boy, it's chapel again. But see, I woke up this morning very nervous because I'm nervous when I go somewhere that's outside my little circle. I'm used to being in a small town and living in Giltner or outside of Giltner. And my name is Paul Nauman. I work at Christian Resource Center, which is two miles east of Giltner. And I pastor, I've pastored down at Stockholm Community Church for 30, almost 37 years. One of the great joys of my life is to not only be involved in youth ministry, which I have been for 46 years, but also to be able to pastor a, a small community country church. We do take travel camps in the summer. This year, we're going to be going to the Great Salt Lake and to Bryce and to Zion, Glen Canyon Dam, down to the Grand Canyon and back up to Mesa Verde, which is the Indian Cliff Dwellings. It'll take place in July if that's something you'd be interested in. Our theme this year is the person and work of Christ. We're going to be looking at his life and spending some time together in tents. It's an 11-day trip. You can talk to uh, some kids here that have been and are going with us this summer, but it's a wonderful opportunity to see what God has done. Just a moment about my biography. I was raised in San Diego. I'm a pastor's son. My father pastored First Press San Diego. I graduated in 1965. Yeah, I'm old. Things were happening in that time. You know, the world you live in is changing also, but in the mid-60s, it was Beach Boys and Beatles. It was the Vietnam War. It was the hippie movement. It was the race wars that were taking place. Our country was in a radical time of change, and you're feeling the results of that right now. Things changed in the 60s, and, and they've never been what they were before. The world I grew up in in the 50s, when I was in grade school and junior high, was Father Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver. And it was a very safe, homey environment. But from the 60s on, things changed, and they were never the same. And I became involved when I went into the ministry in the 60s. I became involved in a war that is still going on today. And what God placed on my heart to talk to you guys about this morning is a war. A Nebraska Christian, you're probably more aware than most that there's a war going on for the heart of our nation. And it's a life and death struggle. And since the 60s with my generation, we haven't done very well in claiming back culture. We're losing ground. And the way I would view you people, especially, you know, entering into your high school years and getting ready to make your decisions vocationally and what you want to do and how you want to serve God, I would like for you to understand you may be the last generation that really has a lot of freedom and choice. 
Because in my time in ministry, just in my little circle of life, I've seen things change. There's a war going on for the heart, of our, the heart and soul of America, and you're going to be involved in it. I think of Nebraska Christian as like officer training, and God is equipping you to go out and leave this place, whether it's going to be as a, uh, an accountant or in the ministry in some form or a school teacher or a housewife or whatever God is calling you to do. He's calling you to become involved in a battle. In the Lord of the Rings, when the darkness was coming out of Mordor, they lit these big piles of wood on the mountaintops. And that was a signal that the enemy was underway. The enemy was coming. And it was to call people to arms. And I guess what I felt I would like to do this morning is to light, light the wood, to light the signal fires on the mountaintops to call you guys to arms. Because it's easy to let life slip by and to be safe and then the world, we lose the battle out there. We can win the battle in here and lose the battle out there. And to lose the battle out there will have direct consequences on your life and if you have families, on your children and their children. I have great fear for my grandchildren into the world they're going to be growing up into. And part of that I wanted to share with you this morning. And I've invited a friend to come along with me. And he's found in the Bible. And his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a young man about the age of some of you. He was probably 16 to 18 years of age when God called him into the ministry. And I'd like to read to you some passages from the book of Jeremiah, and I'd like for you to see if his world doesn't fit ours. Let me set the stage for the times of Jeremiah. There had been a revival under good King Josiah. And you know, he called them back to the law and back to the Word of God. But after Josiah... They began five kings, and pretty soon Judah was gone. And something was happening in the heart of that nation. And you know they still had the temple, and they still had the priesthood, and they still offered the sacrifices, and the people would go, and they would worship God, quote-unquote, in the temple. But you know, during the other six days, they would go to the high places. And we're going to see about the high places this morning. The high places were where Israel, the children of Israel, had set up temples to pagan gods, and they worshipped them. These gods were terrible gods. One of them, named Moloch, was kind of a fat little god, and he had a hole, a hole in his belly with the platform on the end. And if you wanted God to bless your crops, and if you wanted God to bless your life, you could take one of your little children and set him on that platform, and they would light the fire inside, and they would roll their child into the fire. They would offer their children to please God. Not our God, but the God on the mountaintop. See, the gods of the world are terrible gods. There were the temple prostitutes, the high places where they had all the sex and drugs and alcohol that was involved in their worship. And the children of Israel were going there during the week and then coming into the temple and saying, praise to the Lord, the Almighty. And I'm afraid a lot of Christianity kind of gets that way too, where we go and we worship God in church and we're one way there and we're another way when we're out there. I'd like to introduce you to the man named Jeremiah. Again, he's about your age when God called him. And I wouldn't be surprised if God is not speaking to many, if not all of you, who bear his name and bear his image. He's calling you to become involved in the struggle because Jeremiah was going to be the last prophet that God sent before he brought judgment. And I don't know when the last prophet is going to be sent to America, the last warning. And it might be you. But then again, maybe you're going to be the one to lead the revival and renewal. A man named Dr. Francis Schaeffer, when I was in school, really influenced my life. And he said what America really needs is reformation, which is pure, going back to pure doctrine and revival, which goes back to pure life. 
Our lives and our doctrine are going to make a difference. And he's calling Jeremiah to stand up into a world and says, thus says the Lord God, this is wrong. And I wonder if some of you are willing to to do that or will be willing when your time comes, when you leave the environment here, which is a wonderful environment, and go take your place out there in the, in the workaday world, in the world around you, and stand up and say, this isn't right. That's what he is calling Jeremiah to, the prophet to Judah just before God. Jeremiah prophesied for 20 years against Judah, and then Babylon came and took him away, and he lived another 20 years after that. He had 40 years in the ministry. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came. Would you like it if God came and spoke to you and told you what he wanted you to do? Yeah, Paul, I think that would be really good. It would help me a lot. Well, he has come to you. You have it in your lap if you have a Bible. The word of the Lord has come to you just as it came to Jeremiah. To him it came in through his ears. For us it will be through our eyes. As we read the word of God, the word of the Lord came. God is there. He's not silent. He comes and he calls and he challenges and he says, I want you to come. I want you guys to stand. It's a time to stand. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, and he goes on to list the kings. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There's a gigantic struggle going on in our culture concerning life and when it begins. The abortion issue to me is a huge issue. They were rolling their babies into the god Moloch. We're having surgeons cut them out and kill them for many different reasons, I'll admit. And I think for the mother involved in that, it is a tragic situation. But the fact is, since abortion became legal, we've killed over 51 million babies. And God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, God is involved in the formation of a life. I have a profoundly handicapped granddaughter, and God formed her in the womb just the way he wanted her to be to accomplish his purposes in her life. Marley is a blessing to everybody who touches her, but Marley is profoundly handicapped, and I've never had anybody influence me more than her. She had a purpose in life and a reason in life, and you can shake your fist at God and say, why? Or you can say, thank you, God, for sending her into my life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. This is God speaking. Before you were born, I consecrated you, and I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I have called you to be a prophet. A priest led the people to God. A prophet was God speaking back to the people. Thus says the Lord. I've called you, Jeremiah, to speak on my behalf. You're to speak my words to the world in which you live, and they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's response was, Alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a youth. I'm only 16 to 18. I'm not ready for that. Jeremiah was giving an excuse. I'm too young. I haven't been to seminary. I don't know the Bible well enough. You can come up with a lot of excuses as to why I don't want to get involved in the battle. Jeremiah tried it. But God said, I've appointed you and I've called you. And I will bet you he's called all of you or most of you, if you bear his name and his life. He's appointed you for something. may not be full-time vocational ministry, but you're all full-time ministers. He says, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a youth. The Lord said to me, do not say that I'm only a youth. I'm not interested in your excuses because everywhere I send you, you shall go. You guys are at the point of your life where you're deciding where God is going to send you. What an exciting time of life. 
But he's not sending you there to make a lot of money or to be happy for the rest of your life until you get to go to heaven. He's sending you there for a reason. Because he says, I've called you and I've appointed you. And I'm asking my church to stand up. I've called you. And everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Who's the them? That's the people on the outside of our circle of faith. That's the ones that we would call the non-believer. Don't be afraid. If you're going to go to a secular university, or don't be afraid. God said, I will be with you. I've called you, and I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to train you, and I'm going to place you where I have called you to go. He says, for I am with you. The I am is with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Do you understand what that means, that God has put his words in your mouth? Do you understand how fortunate you are in high school to have Bible classes and to have chapel? I went to a Bible college and then to a seminary, and I learned the things you guys are learning a lot earlier than I did. I have put my words in your mouth. Paul, what are you going to say when you get up to speak? I'm going to try to say what he said. I want his words to be in my mouth. Would you allow him to touch your mouth? Is your mouth clean enough for him to use? Language can be an issue in our culture. I have put my words in your mouth. The word of the Lord came to me, chapter 2, saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. I remember concerning the devotion of your youth. I'd like to think of America and think of the way we are founded and the devotion of, of our country and the prayers and George Washington kneeling and praying and think of the things that went on to make us a great nation. Look at what God says concerning Israel, and think of our nation. I remember concerning the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothal, your following after me in the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel, or let's just put America, was holy to the Lord, because I think we do have a special place. Not that we're better than other people, but I think we have a different reason for being. If God makes and creates the nations, I think he created America for a very specific reason and a very special purpose. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest, and all who ate of it became guilty, and evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? God would ask America, what did I ever do to you to make you turn your back on me and despise me the way you do now? I don't want the Ten Commandments out there. I don't want Christmas scenes out there. We did the Christmas story in my grade school. I got to be a shepherd and wear a robe, my bathrobe, and I thought that was really a neat thing. We got to do that. You can't do that anymore. What is it that made America turn its back on God? What did he ever do beside give us the greatest nation as far as resources and potential in the whole world? What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? And they walked after emptiness, and they became empty. You guys, you're thinking about what you want for the rest of your life and what you're going to pursue this says that the people of Judah were going after emptiness, and they were becoming empty. And I've watched that in the soul of our nation as we pursue all the things that are available. What a wonderful time to be alive. Think of the things that you have. You've got a computer in your hand that you can learn anything in the world. You can go anywhere in the world. Think of what you have available to you. And yet, has it made us a better people? You pursue emptiness, and pretty soon you become empty. You are what you eat. You are what you're thinking, what you're pursuing. Tremendous growth in pornography. Gentlemen, be very aware. That's the high places we can go to. Be very, very careful where we go to find our pleasure in the things that we pursue. They walked after emptiness, and they became empty. 
They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt to the wilderness into a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and deep darkness? I brought you into this fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, and you came in and you defiled my land and my inheritance you've made an abomination. And I really feel in my heart that we as a culture have done that to our great land. God brought us in and blessed us and made us a fruitful, generous, kind nation, and now we're not that anymore. There's a battle going on for the heart of America, and God is calling you guys to it. You ate its fruit and its good things, but you came and defiled my land and my inheritance. You made an abomination. The priests, the clergy, did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law, the word of God, don't even know me. He's saying that the priests in the times of Jeremiah didn't even believe in God anymore. They went through the ritual and they offered the sacrifices, but they didn't even believe anymore. And you're going to find when you leave the safety of this place, a lot of clergy that don't believe anymore either. And they're the ones that get interviewed on the radio and television. They're saying, well, God doesn't do this and God would never do that. That's what the priests were doing here. Those who handle the law don't even know me. The rulers transgressed against me and the prophets prophesy by Baal and walk after things that do not profit. I'm going to be in verse 26. As a thief is shamed when he's discovered, so the house of Israel is shamed, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, who say to a tree, you are my father, who say to a stone, you gave me birth. What do we say as a culture? Mother Nature gave me life. I'm a product of time plus chance. You build, you build a theory of life, a way of living on evolution, and you'll come up to the survival of the fittest. You'll not come up to a good world to live in. Be glad that you guys are taught creation in the beginning God. They were saying the trees and the stones that they made into their own gods. You gave us birth in the beginning God or in the beginning Mother Nature. How often do you hear Mother Nature? You say to a tree, you gave me birth, for they've turned their back to me and not their face. What does God see when he looks at you? Your face or your back? Are you pursuing him or walking away from him? And I'll bet you can walk away from him here too. You'll have that opportunity when you leave here and you go out into the other world. You can pursue him or you can walk away from him. And God was told, I see your back and not your face. But in their time of trouble, they will say, arise and save us. I remember 9-11 and I remember looking at television and I watching the church service we had after the buildings came down. And all of our congressional people were in church and they would stand and they would sit down and a different clergy would come up and speak because in a time of crisis, we always seem to turn to God because our cultural gods aren't very good at solving the deep needs and the terrible tragedies that come in life. And he says, in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. God's answer, where are your gods which you made for yourself? Let them arise and save you in your time of trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. Some may come this morning with trouble in their life or things on their heart. Where do we go? Where are you going to go? This says they go to the gods of the world and they'll find no help and they'll find no answer. Jeremiah was called to a people who had turned their back on God. Flee for safety, chapter 6. O sons of Benjamin, to the midst of Jerusalem, blow the trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal. That's the fire. Israel had mountains with wood on them and they'd burn the fire to let them know that danger was coming. Raise the signal. Evil looks down from the north and a great destruction. God says to Jeremiah in chapter 6, verse 10, To whom shall I speak and give warning, for they will not hear? And I'm asking you that this morning. God is saying, To whom shall I speak and give warning? That they may hear. Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them, and they have no delight in it. How are your ears this morning? Who are you listening to? 
This says their ears have become closed and they cannot listen because the word of God has become a reproach and they have no delight. Do you have delight when you have Bible class or when you have chapel speakers come or Sundays when you go to church? Do you have delight or am I bored to death? I see it all from where I stand in my pulpit in my church. I see both. Who's listening? God is calling Jeremiah as a young man right here to stand up and stand out. He's called the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations, which means to lament or cry. There was nothing about Jeremiah's life and ministry that was easy. It was all difficult because God was calling him to stand up and say, this is wrong. We go to chapel. We go to church. But our heart is in the high places. And that's what Judah was doing. And he was saying, you've turned your back. You've turned your back instead of your face. For the least of them, even to the greatest, everyone is greedy for gain. From the prophets, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. The preachers have healed the wounds of my people only slightly, saying, peace, peace. God says there is no peace. The pastors were saying in this time, in our time, it's okay. God doesn't care. We're all equal. All ideas are equal. All religions are equal. They were lying, and the people were saying, okay, it's okay. The, the priests were saying, it's okay to go to the high places as long as you come back to Jerusalem and offer your sacrifices. You guys are living in a world where you're going to be told that too. It doesn't really matter. Everybody has their own choice. All ideas are equal. All morals and values are equal. And who's going to stand up as Jeremiah and say, that's enough. This has to stop because judgment is going to come if we don't repent. And judgment did come. That's the great Babylonian captivity. It's coming. They have healed the wounds of my people only slightly. Were they ashamed because of the abominations they had done? They were not ashamed at all. They didn't even know how to blush. And I'm afraid in our world, we don't know how to blush anymore. You guys can have access to things that would make me blush growing up when I did. And people today don't think much about it at all. Advertisements, Super Bowl ads. I don't watch the halftime. What are they going to appeal to? What are you going to be looking at? How are they going to sell their products? God is calling you guys to make a difference in your world. I invited Jeremiah to, to share his experience with you. And here's the final words I'll say, and I'll let you guys go. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Stand by and look for the ancient ways. Yeah, the ancient ways. That's me and the ones who came before me and the ones that came before me all the way back to the Lord and the words that he gave for us to live by. Look for the ancient way. Religion, our walk with Christ isn't always based on the newest ideas. Go back to the ancient way, the straight and narrow path. Isaiah calls it the highway of holiness. Jesus called it the narrow way. Jeremiah calls it the ancient path. Which path are you choosing for yourself? And Jeremiah was to call people and to call his culture back to the ancient path where the good way is. And the response of the people was, we will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. What's your choice this morning? Is God calling you? Because I know he is. The issue is whether I'm listening to him. Are my ears open or my ears closed? Is the word of God a delight to me or is it distasteful to me? These are questions that you guys need to answer right now because God is going to need you. He is calling you to arms. My race is about done. On the, on the two mile, I'm on my last 800. Okay? Who's going to pick up the baton? That's going to be you guys. And if you don't do it, if you don't do it, I think our country's going to come down. Just like God in history has brought down other great empires who turn their back and spit in his eye and say, we like the high places rather than holiness. We like the high places. 
When you think of Jeremiah, and I hope I've given you a taste for him. He's a young man, and he didn't want to go, but he went. God said, I'll be with you. I'll make you strong. I'll help you to stand. But I need somebody, he said, I need somebody to stand up. In chapter 7, he stands up right in the temple steps. And he says, what are you doing on your way into the temple when your heart is in the high places? You're going to leave here, and you're going to go to the high places, and that's where your heart is, and that's where your worship is. And who's going to stand up today? Not only in the world around us, but when you get involved in the church and stand up and say, we need to stand for things that are right and good. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Paul Nauman, who is the senior pastor at Stockham Community Church. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. 